Welcome to the podcast series, Small Business Survival Conversations. Through our weekly conversations, we hope to provide you with strategies and insights, knowledge and expertise to enlighten you as you work to build and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Anna Steinfest and Dr. Michael Troyer. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that today we have a very, very exciting interview with Emily Jacobson. But before that, I would like to again introduce my co-host, Dr. Michael Troy. Hello, Michael. Hello, Anna. And uh, welcome, everyone, as listeners to our show. I think you'll enjoy this today. This is kind of exciting. And just to make sure that our listeners know that this is not rehearsed interview. It is very natural, but uh, once you hear Emily, you will be very, very pleased with her passion and uh, everything. Hello, Emily. Why don't you introduce yourself and talk about the business you own, which is Green Bay Doulas? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Emily Jacobson. I'm the owner of Green Bay Doulas. I'm a certified labor and postpartum doula, um, along with eight other credentials behind that name. Um, I started Green Bay Doulas in 2015, um, but actually I have been a doula since 2011. So I am almost at a decade. Uh, in a couple days, I hit one decade as a doula. Um, uh, we're based out of here in Green Bay, but we do service uh, anywhere from Sheboygan to Marinette, Door County, the Wassa area and the Valley. Um, I have 20 independent contractors who work for me as, a, as doulas as well. Um, whether that's in uh, labor or postpartum or lactation, um, we're here to support the families of Northeastern Wisconsin. So what exactly, I know that you mentioned what they do, but is it okay if you just kind of explain what literally they do? Because, you know, a question that should have come from me because being male, yeah, we're, we're less likely to know what a doula is. So help us understand. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, only 5% of the national population utilizes a doula, and that's because they don't know they exist. So most of my job is education. Uh, I like to think in pictures. So for us, we're the event planners uh, for your pregnancy and labor uh, journey. Um, We provide emotional, informational, and educational support, physical support um, during this journey for everybody. The difference between us and a midwife is that we are non-medical providers. We don't do anything medical. So kind of the joke is we work from the waist up. (laughs) (laughs) I like that term event planner. What a great way of of getting it across. Uh, Tell us a little bit about What's the path that led you as an entrepreneur to doing now what you're doing? Absolutely. So I have a summer birthday. So I was 17 when I graduated high school. I was 21 when I graduated college. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I've always been kind of a nurturer by trait. That's just kind of who I was. Um, I have a large theater background, so I didn't know how that would help me either. I worked with children with special needs as a respite provider and ABA therapist all throughout college. So honestly, I thought that I was going to uh, start my own nonprofit um, for children with disabilities and form a theater troupe. Uh, that was going to be kind of what I thought I would do with my life. Um, 
So when I graduated college, I kind of put out three things to the universe. One was that I wanted to be a forever learner, just who I was. Um, two, I wanted to be able to raise my children um, as I saw fit. Um, I was raised by a single mom and I saw her struggles firsthand on days that I was sick or days I didn't have school. Um, I wanted to be able to go on uh, field trips with my kids. I wanted to be able to, to be part of their everyday lives. Um, and so that was one of my other criterias for life. And then the third part of it was that I wanted to be seen as a pillar in my community. Um, I've always been that person in high school. I was on the social studies academic team and show choir and drama, and I wanted to hang out with the cool people. So I started a guitar club. Um, so I've always been like this. <laughs> so uh, it's just who I am. But I put those three things out to the universe. And soon after, my sister-in-law contacted me and let me know that she was actually expecting and asked me if I would be her labor support. I didn't know what that meant, um, but I was interested in helping her, obviously. Um, this was also the time that DVRs had come out, and that was the new cool thing. So uh, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, uh, we recorded everything we could, and there was a show called Pregnant in Heels on Bravo starring Rosie Pope, who was a concierge to these really fancy New York women. And I was like, that would never fly in Green Bay. Um, but one of her episodes, she brought a client to see a doula. And I was like, whoa, that's an interesting word. Okay. Um, and then when my sister had asked me to be in the room, I went to the Madison. I lived in Madison at the time. Um, I went down and, and went to the Madison Birthing Center and said, is there a book I could read about how to support someone in labor? I, I didn't know how to do that. And they said, sure, it's called a doula. And I was like, oh, there's that word again. Um, it's actually a Greek word. It means to serve women or support women. So uh, it has its, its niche and it didn't really gain popularity until about the 80s, the word doula. And then in, uh, I would say through the 90s and then around 2000s, people learned that you could actually make a sustainable career um, from being a doula. And so I fell into this role and uh, then the birth of my niece, which was on 11, 11, 11, uh, super great birthday, um, was it, that was it for me. And, and I had some PTO saved up. So I actually stayed with my sister-in-law for a few days after the baby was born. And I realized that as much as we had a great support system for her, nobody was actually supporting her everyone was so consumed with the baby that no one was asking her how she was doing, how she was recovering from childbirth, um, you know, helping her to appointments, helping her cook, do her laundry. Um, you know, we take for granted our social supports that we have with our families. And, and we have a lot of transient people that come from all different places that come to Green Bay to work and live. And they might not necessarily have their family here. Um, we also know that our parents are not retiring at the same age as our grandparents did. And many of our grandparents were stay at home, were homemakers. Um, that's just the generational of what it was. Um, so we don't have the so social supports that we thought we did. And then add in a pandemic with it. Uh, we definitely don't have the social supports that we once thought we could count on. So um, I fell into this and, and here I am a decade later. I'm going to grab that last phrase. I fell into this. I think that is a message for those who would be entrepreneurs that uh, you, you don't have to have that idea since birth. Uh, you, you, you simply have to be observant and aware and awake and kind of look for the opportunity that fits you and, and then run with it as you clearly have run with it very hard since then. 
Uh, we've just been through a, a, another challenge uh, of, in, in time, the so-called pandemic. Uh, how has that impacted you? And what have you done to make your adjustments to, to that unexpected as a recent uh, person we talked to called it a black swan event? Yeah, how, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think you should share everything for, especially for our listeners, because, you know, some of them, you know, they have to close doors. So I, we want to yeah. hear your story. So I, I was one of those people who almost had to close my doors. But um, I do want to say too to, to Michael, the entrepreneur side of this, um, I, in college, every job that I had, I worked my way up to the top and, and was like, I can't go any further. Here's my glass ceiling. And I don't, I don't have that personality that can tolerate glass ceilings. Um, I like to shatter them. So uh, I knew that I had to do something that was for myself. I knew I just had to own my own business at some point or have the flexibility to be the head honcho of it. The hard part about doula work is they teach us how to be doulas, but they don't teach us how to run a business. And so that's why the average doula only lasts two to three years in this. Um, and, and so for me to be able to just have a natural knack and when I came back to Green Bay about nine years ago, the first place I went was SCORE. And I said, I need to do this right. I want to form an LLC. Um, I want to get that bank account. I want that EIN number. I want all this and I want to do it ethically. And here, how do I do it? And so it kind of went from there. And then it just every door would open two more. And I would always walk in those doors, regardless of whether I thought it was a good fit for me or not. I needed the education and I just wanted to learn. So that would be my my thing, too, is is don't stay down one tunnel of this has to work a certain way um, because that leads into the pandemic. Um, so for me, uh, I tried to apply for the Packer Protege program uh, the year before I actually made it. So 2019, I applied and I didn't make it and, and I didn't make it because I didn't know what I needed or what I was looking for my uh I knew I wanted to be part of the Packer Protege program, but I didn't know how it could actually help me. And so I took that year to really hone in on what is going to work for me. And, and the goal was, uh, how do I recession proof my business? And that was what my goal was for 2020. Um, I wanted to be able to take my line of work and work with HR professionals and in different businesses and say, how can we build this into a wellness collective for your business? Because we know that 43% of women don't return back from work after maternity leave. That costs companies lots of money having to retrain, rehire. Um, how do we get women to feel supported in the workplace while they're pregnant and after we can be consultants for that? So I had such a good value for that. And that would recession proof my business to be able to work hand in hand with companies. Well, we got into February of 2020 and my uh, Packer, my Packer protege mentor, Don Herman, um, had said, I need you to set up five meetings with HR professionals for March. And I said, okay. So I did. <laughs> and then a pandemic hit and HR people were not someone you wanted to even look in the eyes, to be honest with you. Um, they were so overwhelmed, so taxed. And, and all of a sudden for my line of work, we're in hospitals. We go where our clients birth, whether that's a home birth, a birth center, a hospital. And all of a sudden we have clients who are um, due any day, any minute, we are unable to access the hospital system with our clients. 
And I, we also provide postpartum care. We work for a lot of doctors. We look, we work for Packer clients. We work for um, teachers. We work for everybody under the sun. There's really, you know, um, every kind of thing you can think of, we've worked in that with those people. Um, the hard part with that is that when they're in their home, your home became your safe place during the pandemic. There was nobody coming in and out of your home. As doulas, we come in and out of your home. And so contracts were being canceled. Um, I ended up losing a lot of money when taxes finally came out and I was able to see what was happening. But I stood there in April thinking, I only have cash flow till July. If we don't have people calling, if we don't have people doing this, I have to close my doors. And this is my baby. Like, nine years in a business. I, you know, I'm a future 15. I have all this stuff. I have all these plaques on my walls, as you can see, like I have all of this stuff and, and it's just going to be like gone. That was heart wrenching for me. So I really honed back in on the, the Packer protege program to say, what can I do during this time? If I am sitting on the sidelines, if there's no money coming in, if we are trying to scramble the best we can for our clients, what we were doing is laboring with them at home. They were being dropped off at the hospital and going inside without us to have their babies and we were available virtually to them. That's not what people wanted. Um, we saw that women were leaving hospitals 24 hours after they had a baby because of the pandemic, but not being taught how to breastfeed properly. So our breastfeeding rates were getting lower and women were panicking, but they didn't want to go back into a hospital setting to get the lactation support that they needed. So all these double-edged swords were coming at us and I'm trying to remain cool, calm and collected. And then I have my own panic happening with my own family, obviously, of their safety. I have the panic of the clients. I have my contractors. So to say I was under a small amount of stress would be rather accurate. Um, but one of the huddles that we had together with the Packer Protege program was our, our huddles. And at that huddle, there was a word that got thrown out there called the Wisconsin Procurement Institute. And... Um, I said, I don't know what that is. What is that? And that was one of those doors that I would never go down because it did, wasn't relevant to me, but I know better than that. And I would, I'm, I took the opportunity and I met with the Wisconsin Procurement Institute. Um, I worked with my mentor on, we, we had to stop the, the HR uh, recession proof thing and we pivoted and pivoted is the big fancy word but that's what we did I went back and I built a virtual classroom of our childbirth education so that people could access childbirth education virtually through a classroom at their own pace we now have a grandparents class we're building our lactation class um, we also have a doula 101 for those who are interested in becoming doulas we now have a full classroom done virtually that people can go anywhere and access um, so that was one part that that happened. Secondarily to that, then I was able to work with Wisconsin Procurement Institute and go back to the foundation of my business and make sure that there were no cracks in my foundation because I was trying to build levels three and four, but I hadn't looked at my foundation in years. So I went back to the basics and we tore it all down. And what costs do I need? What costs are overhead that I could get rid of? How do we really finite my cash flow? Let's work and talk with the bank. And they were perfect in helping me be able to increase my line of credit, to be able to help with the cash flow issues. 
And, and that helped us keep afloat. I was able to go for the PPP and different grants that were available. And I jumped at any money that was available. I jumped at it. And I would say that, let alone having the support of the protege program to say, hey, this came out, jump at it. I did. Um, and that really helped. Um, with the Wisconsin Procurement Institute, I was able to become SAM.gov certified and also the first doula in the state of Wisconsin to become a women business enterprise certified. Um, and so that also opened me up to then receiving a booth at Marketplace last year because of the Packer Protege program. And I was able to connect with a few other um, business entities that I would never in my wildest dreams be able to have access to and I have the person who I need to on a Zoom call talking with me. Um, so the opportunities that came from that, um, working and talking with different entities like the UW system, the Department of Corrections, um, what are different ways that doulas can support their staff, the, the women that are incarcerated, um, how do we how do we train better to support the employee base and the culture of your business during this time as well? Um, working from home and not having daycare options, like how can we work and be able to support them? Uh, because of that, because I stuck it out, because I didn't give up, because I was hungry for it and just, it wasn't an option. Um, failure is not something that's a vocabulary word for me. Um, and it's not that failure means bad, um, but for me, it's never an option. It's just a different pivot. You have to think differently. That didn't work. What's next? I'm not afraid of things that don't work. Um, I think generatively, my ideas are very up here, and I feel like that is the entrepreneurial mind. Um, but how do I then bring it back and strategically put them out there. And that's what my mentor was perfect for is he understood how my brain worked and he was able to help me say, okay, so let's put that into a strategy now and walk me through that. Um, because of that, we are 99% growth this year compared to last year. Um, we are on track to be as good as we were in 2019 before the pandemic hit. And we're actually slated to probably double or triple our income in the next two years because of the, I was able to go back to the foundation and make that stronger and really pull in the business connections that I needed and, and not be afraid to say, we're not okay, we need help. And I think as entrepreneurs, it's isolating. Emily, you mentioned something that you received your information from the huddles with the Packers Mentoring Program, where else have you received, because you mentioned PPP, who provide you this information? Did you receive this directly? Let's say there is grants. Did you receive directly this from Wisconsin uh, WEDC or, you know, like where did you get this yeah. information? Because what, we, what we're experiencing is like small businesses, they don't, if they, if they don't have certain network, they kind of lag the information getting to them. Yeah, I mean, the the multiple streams I got it from was one, uh, my accountant, um, that was one. Two, my bank directly reached out to me and, and I work with my bank on a person-to-person -person basis. I'm not a number to them, I'm a name. And that means the world to me as a business owner, maybe not personally, but if you are in business, you need to have a banker who you can call and who understands your business. And I think that's very important. Um, I have business lawyer um, who we can talk through things when I have questions about my contracts. 
um, and, and understands my business structure. I'm not, again, I'm not just a name. And I think that's a big thing with business owners is you have to have those one-on-one -on -one connections and that needs to be your person. Um, they need to be my banker doula. They need to be my lawyer doula. They need to be uh, my accountant doula. Um, but also I got emails from the chamber because you get a free chamber membership with the Packer Protege and I was already a chamber member, but um, I got those emails saying that these funds were available. Um, where else? It was a lot of emails. And I think we had the time to actually look at the emails, but don't overlook the emails that come. You should really at least skim them because sometimes there are nuggets of information and then whatever you would send out in your newsletters, I would look and see and just skim it and see what was available out there. Um, I had my person at the Wisconsin Procurement Institute saying, hey, have you done this? I had my mentor on me saying, hey, are you looking into this? So it's about who you have in your corner. And, and like I said, business ownership is very isolating. Um, it's very, uh, it's the iceberg. It's only what you let people see, but there's so much under the water that people don't see. Um, and so having kind of your sounding board and finding those other business owners who get you that maybe you guys have lunch once a quarter or once a month or something, but you have to make time to keep the relationships with people that you've built because you never know when you're going to need them or they're going to need you. You know, <laughs> we just did a webinar I, and you apologize for not being there. You didn't need to be there. You said everything that we said in our webinar. <laughs> Uh, we need to keep you around and, and tap your brain more than we're doing. Uh, I'm intrigued with that. You, you mentioned, of course, you, you went up to the PPP and, and other sources of funding. Uh, as you went through all of this, were there other pieces that you had to pull in to, to survive this? That you, you, uh, you weren't growing at one point until you did your pivot and then you started to, to see growth. Uh, was the bank there to give you resources to do that? Uh, was technology uh, there for you when you needed it? Did you know what technology to grab? Uh, all those things that you might think of, what, what were the resources you needed most to survive this pandemic? Yeah, I would say the resources I needed most was one Zoom in uh, video conferencing. And, and, and that was the hard part for us as doulas is it has always been available to us video conferencing, but we're such an intimate setting. Like I'm going to be with you when you have your baby. I want to be with you in person, you know? Um, but we were able to pivot to let's just do Zooms. Like we can do this. Um, there's also an app that we used a lot with our clients called Marco Polo. And it's just instead of like video, instead of like sending a text, I can send a video message instead. And so we video it back and forth with our clients because we wouldn't see them as much as we normally would. Um, but we still got that face-to-face -face kind of interaction and, in, in, you know, the text in a, a video. <laughs> um, then the bank was huge in saying, hey, um, I did have a debt consolidation loan that was happening. And they said, hey, we're going to pause that until for four months for you. And we're going to increase your line of credit. And that was paramount. And my banker came to me on March 13th. And wow. I feel like everything stopped March 17th, right? Like we were just ahead of it. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but if this gets pulled and this gets pulled, we're in trouble. Um, and if I have to refund all this money, we're in trouble. And, and so bankers was huge. Um, accounting was huge. Um, and then, and then uh, moving our stuff into an online classroom, we moved over to teachable. Um, which is literally a click and 
paste and all this stuff. It's so easy to use um, that we were able to create a virtual classroom for ourselves. And, and I have, you can just sign in with a coupon if you want. Um, our nonprofit also uses it. Um, and it's sponsored by Schreiber Foods for the next three years um, to be able to provide childbirth classes to those women who are in shelter care, like House of Hope, Golden House, Freedom House, but also the Adolescent Parenting Coalition um, in our area. So the Green Bay School District uses it as well for all the pregnant teens to be receiving a childbirth education class because we know transportation can be an issue. Um, but all this technology you've talked about, did you know this all ahead of time? Did somebody bring that I, knowledge? I knew about it. I knew about it, but I think the pandemic gave us the push. Okay. And that was kind of what we needed to say, like, okay, in-person isn't going to work anymore. What can we do? We can build a virtual classroom. That worked really great too. Um, we can go to Zoom calls. That will work fantastically too. Um, is I, I really got into pushing forward in time management because I had two children sitting at a computer next to me on top of me trying to work as well. So um, getting a uh, scheduler um, for my social media was very important and something that I had knew I'd known about, but they pushed me to do it. And I could schedule three, four months in advance for my social media. And so I didn't have to worry about that. So I got that and that has been a game changer for me as well. Um, and then I think just getting smart about the intentions of what you, you needed done. Um, everyone was kind of at first like, Ooh, video conferencing will be really great. But then your friendship started to lack because you saw them on film on videos all day. And then nobody wanted to make phone calls or text anymore because everyone was so screened out you know, and then everyone kind of isolates. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not networking like I used to. But then I was also feeling the fatigue of going 100 miles an hour like I always do. Um, and I've tried to do that again. And I, I won't do that again. <laughs> so you kind of, I feel like there are some blessings that came out of this. And there are some lessons that came out of this. And however you want to think what each scenario was for yourself. Um, I think it was all good. And there was no failure but you, you just have to learn to, you just keep going. And if it doesn't work, take that moment, take that time, but then come back strong. And, and that's kind of how just my personality works in a, in a way, but I wasn't afraid to say to my mentor, this isn't working. I wasn't afraid to, to tell clients we're struggling. I need you to write a review. Um, where before I would say, oh, I don't want to bother a new mom. I don't want to bother a new family. Um, I'm not afraid anymore to, to say to them, would you write a review for me? Would you tell three friends about me? I don't need to have their information, but could you just let people know we exist? Um, I think that having that level of vulnerability is not something that business owners want to ever show to people. They don't want to show that vulnerability. They don't, you know, but you, you have to, at some point, you're kind of just faced with it. Either my pride is going to take me down or I can set my ego aside and, and let people know that, you know, this does mean a lot to me and, and the community means a lot to me and, and I want them on this journey with me and I'm not willing to just give up that easily. Amy, what, um, what, is your, uh, what is your advice? Uh, we, we should uh, pretty much um, wrap up with one advice you have. I don't know whether you have one or few. I, I think that a lot of the listeners already got some information from your presentation, but 
what is the advice you can give to entrepreneurs who are kind of, you know, struggling right now? Yeah. Um, to me, it's, it's so, there's so much to it, but I think I've alluded to the number one thing is that don't close a door because you don't think it's relevant to you. Take the education. You never know when you're going to need it. Um, sign up for things, f- attend everything free that you can, um, you know, be hungry for it. And even if it doesn't, isn't relevant to your business, you never know how you can tie it back in. Um, I took professional sales training and it was business to business sales training that I took, but I'm not business to business. I'm business to consumer. So everything I learned, I had to then redo and how would that work talking to a consumer? Um, but it was a game changer for me. I learned so much from it. So never be afraid to not go to education because you don't think it's relevant. Uh, and go back to the foundation. Don't be afraid to go back to a score person. Don't be afraid to go back to a mentor or someone who you find on LinkedIn, who you're like, I want to be them when I grow up, then ask them to lunch. Like that, it's that simple. Don't be afraid uh, to put yourself out there and, and never compare yourself to the other arenas because it's the only arena you're in is your own. So I don't really worry about other people's businesses because they're not relevant to mine. You, you make me think very much too that well, you're a very passionate person, but it, it, the, the thing I'm hearing come across really is beyond the passion is that you're driven and they're different things. You're driven. You're just not going to accept it not working in some fashion, which may, has also made you very enterprising. All right, that's not working. I'm going to admit that. I'm going to talk to my mentor or my friends or my fellow business owners and say, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Absolutely. That's what comes across. Awesome. This has okay. been a delight, Emily. Really just a delight. Absolutely. You're helping other humans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Emily. Again, Emily Jacobson. She's the owner of Green Bay Doulas. Thank you, Michael. And thank you to our listeners. Please listen to us to our next episode. Thank you. You've been listening to the Small Business Survival Conversation Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. In the meantime, hook up with us on our Facebook group at Small Business Survival Tools and Tips. Till next time, thank you for listening.